2005, two brothers set off on a road trip that would eventually save the world and change television. For 15 seasons and 327 episodes, Supernatural took audiences on a wild ride of family, fate, and faith with a rocking soundtrack and a seriously cool car. But that was then, and this is now. And while the show might have ended, we're not quite done with the journey. And that's why we're watching it all over again, diving deep into every episode of Supernatural with the fine folks who made it. And we're taking you along for the ride. I'm Rob Benedict. I played Chuck Shirley, a.k.a. God. And yes, that's a bit of a spoiler, but spoilers are going to be fair game here. And I'm Richard Spade Jr., and I played the Trickster, also known as the Archangel Gabriel. We'll be talking about the entire series, so don't say we didn't warn you. So buckle up and settle in. This is Supernatural, then and now. Hey, it's Rob and Rich. We're here. In this episode, we're talking about episode 105, Bloody Mary. That's season one, episode five, for those keeping track at home. That's right. Um, so in this uh, episode of our podcast, we get to talk to executive producer Phil Sagricia. And legendary Scoremeister General. That's right, composer, the original composer of the show, Christopher Lennertz, who composed the pilot, the music for the pilot. Um, and we also get a quick interview with Giovanna Burke, who played Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Um, so what happens in this episode, Rich? Well, you know what? A lot of people, uh, a lot of young girls uh, conjure Bloody Mary by doing that thing that is the urban myth that we've mm-hmm. all heard about, which is you say her name three times and poof. Mm-hmm. You gotta be looking in a mirror, but poof, she shows up and bad things happen. That's right, and somebody dies, uh, and uh, and that summons the attention of Sam and Dean. Yep, they head to Toledo, Ohio, following a following a second Bloody Mary death. Yep, um, and uh, and they come and they follow the legend of Bloody Mary, which turns out there actually is a Mary. Yeah, uh, uh, the ghost of a woman named Mary Worthington, which is I guess where the Mary part comes from. That's what you think, yeah. <laughs> In the Bloody Mary. Yeah. This is why we're good. That's why we're doing the rewatch. Yep. Getting the good bits. <laughs> so she was she was murdered by the married man she was having an affair with. Mm-hmm. And now she moves through mirrors, mm-hmm. punishing anybody who keeps a secret. Right. Assuming she's been summoned. You know, she has to be That's summoned. Right. She first. gets summoned. She kills someone who's had a secret. First, she sets her sights on Charlie, a teen girl who helped Sam and Dean throughout the episode. Right. But the boys are able to discover her original mirror... And Sam summons her, risking himself because he has a dark secret too. A sexy secret? I mean, sexy if you like uh, girlfriends pinned to the ceiling with fire. Um, so <laughs> finally, uh, the, the idea is they summon her so they can break the mirror, which they finally do, and it, but it only releases her. Um, and she's <laughs> about to make eyes bleed all over North America. When Dean defeats her by showing Mary her own reflection. Yep. The boys save Charlie and defeat the monster, but Sam refuses to tell, to tell Dean what his dark secret was. Dang it. For now. Oh. To be continued. Mm. But first, let's get in there and talk about this. So we're here with uh, Phil Sagricia, producer of Supernatural. At this point... We'll get into this, but known as the supervising producer and uh, the comp- executive producer, right? Executive producer, lots of different kinds of producer, which, which is going to be my first question for you. And also Christopher Lennertz, who's uh, one of two composers on the show. Um, we're talking specifically about uh, Bloody Mary episode 105. But before we get into that, I'd love to hear from you guys um, how you each of you got involved with the show originally. Did Phil Sagricia, did you? No, you didn't work on the pilot. No. 
So you came well, in. Well, I have to say something, don't I? Yeah, no. you have to speak. We're not on camera. It's a podcast. Okay, yes. <laughs> Bob Singer called me up, said, hey, you should come over and do this. And also David Nutter, who is a friend, he directed the pilot, and he said, this is a show you should jump on if you can, if you get a chance. So uh, when Bob said, come on over, and David said that, I was like, yeah, let's jump into this. So that's what I did. And when you jumped in, did you jump into the role that you then had the whole time? No, they didn't want me to direct right away. Warner Brothers... I think was, you know, I think they wanted to get in and get, they had a group of directors. And so I wasn't directing right away. I directed two in the first year. And then after that, it was three and four episodes a year. The beginning was mostly to like supervise the cutting and watch over post a bit more. And then I did episode, I think it was 12 in the first season. It went on from there. Kripke liked what I was doing. Yeah. Bob liked what I was doing. Bob knew, you know, I had worked with Bob since 88. On what, on what show was that? Midnight Caller. I was an editor. Oh, and, that's what it was. Yeah. Gary, Gary Cole. Uh -huh. It was a really cool show. It was about a disgraced cop who takes over a midnight talk show on radio. So I said Red Shoe Diaries earlier, but I was wrong. It's uh, That's really Diaries. not the same no, different, show. Very different, different show. And now, Chris... You are one of the original gangsters. Like you're the, are you the only person who was involved in the pilot than the entire series? I, I'm other. You know what? I may be. Other I, than Jensen and Jared. Uh, yeah, you know Todd, what? I, Todd, I didn't even think about was that. Todd till, there? I, Todd might have been. Todd, uh, Todd Arenauer was there, and Bruce Gorman, yeah, one of the yeah. assistant editors, was. Uh, I was going to say Bruce was there because yeah. Bruce always bragged There's, about that. There was yeah. Todd was there at the pilot, and so was Bruce yeah, and, 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 and Chris and, or in, uh, and and uh, Bob. Right, Bob was on the no, no, no. Bob wasn't even on the pilot. No. Okay, no. okay. So Chris, you 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 did you composed for the pilot, but were you hired before they shot that or after? I yes, I was. I was hired. I wasn't hired because they. Uh, I, I knew it was happening, but they don't they don't want to spend any money right. uh, unless they know the thing's actually going to get yeah. finished. Uh, so I think they shot the pilot first and then and probably used temp if I'm not mistaken, uh -huh. if I remember correctly, they 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 got picked up based off that. And then we had to go back once we know the show the, once we knew the show was picked up, then Kripke called me and said, okay, let's let's really do this. But I had seen the script before they shot. Okay. Uh, right. Cuz he had me look at it, but uh I have known Kripke for far too long oh, yeah? that, uh, that will show my age, but uh yeah, Eric and I went to college together. Long ah, long long, okay. long ago and okay. we were we were in the same fraternity. I was one year older than Eric. I was in the music school and he was in the film school. And our, our fraternity was kind of like, uh, it was sort of like Revenge of the Nerds, but for a bunch of film dorks. Yeah, what, I what, love it. What fraternity was it? Uh, it was called Pike. We, we restarted. I, I was at Pike at, my, at Northwestern Bullshit. University. Wow. Swear to God. Bye bye, bud. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Gary Bryman, who is mentioned in Bloody Mary, is also one of our fraternity brothers. Wow. Which, is um, that the name that we talked about? Probably. Right. Yeah, the, the dad, the kid who's the referred kid. to as having yeah. died. His named. There you go. Yeah. Ryman. There you go. Um, so, so, so Eric and I went to school together and I did all his short films uh, awesome. for free. And then we all rented uh, a van, I think, once and went to Sundance Film Festival with like 13 people in a one bedroom condo. And we did all this crazy stuff. And then some magically uh, 10 years later. You know, we end up both working on a studio television wow. show together. So that's awesome. It's kind that of the fairy tale. Sometimes friends hire each other. That's weird. <laughs> Not a fan of that process, but whatever. <laughs> hey, Chris, you use the term temp when you're talking about the music. Elaborate. Walk people through what that actually means. Um, so 
it, whenever anyone's editing a show or, or movie now, they put temp music in, which is temporary, and it's usually music from another film or another TV show to give an idea. Of, or an earlier season. Or an early, well, yeah, it eventually ends up being an earlier season once you have a, a long run of a show, and, and that's to give an idea to the composer and, in the case of trying to sell a pilot, to give an idea to test audiences and, uh, and network executives, like, here's what we want it to sound like. Um, so... That sort of gives us a clue, and then and then Eric, in the case of a show with Eric, like Supernatural, he would sit and and say, okay, I, I like this piece right here. I like when it turns here and gets louder when you know Jensen walks through the door. But then right here, I don't like this part. It needs to be faster. It needs to be more energetic. Right. Or or Phil will say, oh, you know what? Here we should actually come out and let the uh, door creak because it'll be scarier or whatever. Right. Just did that the other day. Yeah, exactly. So, so here's a question for you, and I bet you don't remember. But do you know what temp they used? Did they pull from a movie or something specific for the pilot, for the temp? It was a mishmash of stuff on the pilot. Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. There's a There was a ton of needle drops, too. Yeah, there was a lot of the, the, I mean, the rock needle drops. There stuff. was right. a lot of... Well, you know, it's interesting because in watch, we're, Rich and I are watching on Netflix because Lord knows they don't give us old craggy actors uh, DVDs of the show. So we're watching on Netflix, and they've cut out all the... Uh, like you don't hear you don't hear Rolling Stones. I can I can give you the answer to all of that. <laughs> Please. So what happened was we only had and we, we didn't know this. Eric didn't know it, I didn't know it, Bob Singer didn't know it. We only had rights to the music in year one for DVDs and television broadcast. But anything that was streaming and later got redone. Mm -hmm. We had Inagata DeVita in the first year. We had all this stuff, beautiful, classic rock, Blue Oyster Cult, and it was all gone. So if you buy, I think it's on iTunes. If you buy the iTunes version, it's not there. But if you buy the DVD, it is there. Mm -hmm. So that's what happened in year one. It was a new thing. I yeah. mean, yeah. Um, well, that's what's yeah, fascinating yeah. about this show. I mean, when the show started, technology isn't, you know, we didn't have Twitter. You know what I mean? We didn't. What's Twitter? Well, exactly. It's <laughs> one of the reasons Thank the show you. stayed Thank on for so long you. because, you know what I mean? It yeah. gave the, the fans a mouthpiece. Um, Phil, real quick, uh, a lot of people probably understand what a, com what a composer does, what Chris does. What exactly was is your job? Because I know it changed through the years, and you know, by the time I got on, I thought of you as the directing producer. Um, you are a main director and you know executive producer. But uh, at this point, what were you doing? Um, kind of like uh, Winston Wolf. There's an analogy for everybody. Right. <laughs> if anybody understands that one, Winston Wolf. Um, please uh, email us if you know that uh, <laughs> reference. Caller, you're live. Um, <laughs> is that like the wolf from from uh, Pulp Fiction? Pulp Harvey Fiction. Keitel. Because ah, you're kind of like that too. The okay, wolf. it's okay. kind of the wolf. His name was Winston Wolf, uh, I believe. And my job was to kind of keep the ship going straight. In some ways, part of it was post, part of it was production. Once I was directing, so it was, and a lot of it has to do with music and cutting and and that. So. I have a fairly large collection of um, still vinyl, and I even have eight tracks of my record collection. So I'm into music. I'm into live music. Uh, I'm not a player, but I'm a fan. Once Kripke said, we're not going to have any shoegazer emo rock in this show. It's going to be hard rock, for you know, mm -hmm. classic rock from the 60s, 70s, and early 80s. So that was like, oh, 
good, you know. Right. And, and when we were mixing on the stage, uh, I think it was episode four. It was a skin episode, and uh, Anthony Pinker, our editor, put in Inagata Davida in this thing, and it was so good. And then I was like, "We'll never get that." And then we did, and we we're on the dub stage mixing it, and I was just like, almost tears in my eyes, thinking I'd never have that song in a show. That's awesome. It's such a iconic. There's a lot of great. I mean. There was that. There was, you know, um, like you said, the Stones in the one. And, yeah. and, well, and, and didn't we have, did we have uh, Highway to AC, Hell? ACDC? Yeah, Highway yeah. to Hell. I mean, that's huge. I mean, I, I would say that, like, certainly for Rob and myself who've been on the convention circuit, you get uh, Carry, on, Carry on. Words, on. Carry On and Highway to Hell are like the unofficial theme songs yeah. of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. So for much sure. so that um, Carry On, the Kansas actually played at one of the Comic Cons that we did, that Supernatural right. did. Um, Okay, hey, let's, let's, let's talk about yeah, the show. Let's talk about the show. Let's talk about we here. We're talking about episode one hundred and five. It's Bloody Mary. Um, now, interesting thing about Bloody Mary early on is you're talking about this is when the show was doing effects the old school way, and that kind of falls under your umbrella, Phil, a little bit, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, like, what was the process then? Because Supernatural ended up having its own dedicated uh, effects department and, you know, it had, but I'm assuming that that wasn't assembled yet. At that no, point. no, no. It didn't start till I think after year two. Um, yeah, we had a visual effects supervisor who, and you know, his crew and, and they, was that Ivan? Yep. Ivan. And, um, they planned out shots with the directors, with the producers, with uh, Serge as a process. It's another department that you have many meetings at. Ivan Hayden, and, I think. Is yeah, a, Ivan Hayden right. was our, our uh, visual effects supervisor. You know, and so it was shopped out uh, per shot. Maybe uh, one visual effects house did fire very well. And so we'd ship out that stuff to them. And one did water or ice or you know, explosions, fight, you know, whatever it was, we kind of had a pick and choose. Not too much. A lot of it was at the same house, I believe. I'd have to look back at what we did. But it was not an in-house group. But you would, if, uh, if you had, like, uh, blood on the floor when the, the first death happens and that the, the girl's father dies in the bathroom and there's all this blood on the floor, that was actually, that was practical blood. Yeah. You saw that. Yeah, yeah. And we were it was shooting later in the it, show. It, they, was, it they, wasn't real blood, I don't think. Well, no, true, that, true. That it was, was, it was, it was a, practical, it, impractical we, uh, blood. Yes. We um, we uh, killed a lamb right before shooting. Yeah, and let it drip. Oh my god! Uh, thank was, you, everybody. This is our last episode. We're done. <laughs> Which had nothing. You wanted the truth. <laughs> you wanted it. <laughs> no, it was but, a really cute lamb. Too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> by, by season fourteen and fifteen, His name was Bob. <laughs> it was Bob Singer. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, but later in the episode, you would... And there's not even booze in my cup. <laughs> later, in the, la later in the series, you would put that in, in post, you know, right? We do all the blood like that. In Some, uh, you know, it, it depends on uh, what the scene is and uh, is it going to be walked over? We have these things. It's real tricky. It's called dragon skin, and it's just like... I'm aging myself. The, it's like rubber to blood. color right? forms. Rubberized blood, Yeah, right? rubberized blood that's shiny, and the light would kick off of it, and you could make it any kind of red you wanted. Our painters figured it out. So it was like this puddle of blood that was laying there, and then we'd add some around the person so it actually was moving. Um, I can we did say, that I, I got to say that, like, the, those the dragon skin, dragon you're, skin. Ref, you're referring to, two things about it. Number one, it always made me think of in a Bugs Bunny cartoon when they just grab a hole and throw a hole against the wall. Like, it looks like that. It's just like this weird, like, weird form of blood that you go, flap, and I'll lay down. You're dead. And trivia for kids out there in the production world, 
there's not a set in the planet that calls it dragon skin, but supernatural. Cause I know I've requested dragon skin on a couple of sets and they look at me like I'm nuts. Wow. It's not, it's not, it's uh maybe, it's maybe we made it. I think you made up. I think you art, made the name art department. Maybe and, and Chris with you on an episode like this. And I know it was a long time ago, but this is a unique thing where you, there are two composers on the show, you and Jay Gruska. And so do you alternate episodes or do you work in unison together? How does the trade-off happen there? Is that's actually a great story if I can tell it. Like, um, so we alternated episodes. Occasionally we would do a couple in a row. And that was one of the things that was so great about it. Jay and I didn't know each other when the show first got picked up. And I got a call from Kripke and I assumed that Jay got the same call from, from Bob because Jay had worked with Bob before. And so they both basically said, and, and at the same at that time we both had the same agent, which I think was just wow. the, the luck of the time. And we both got this call and they said, look, either we can fight about it for a while and then one of us will win, one of us will lose, and, and somebody will get the show. Or since Bob Bob has his guy, Kripke has his guy. Why don't you guys go? Why don't you guys, you know, would you be interested in meeting and, and seeing if there was a way to do it together? And so we ended up having lunch. Uh, I can't remember where it was some, uh, I think it was up in the valley at like a dim sum place. And, you know, it was supposed to be like 45 minutes of like, hey, how are you? Let you, you know, may, how could we work this out? I think it ended up being like four hours long. Wow. And so, you know, Jay will tell you more he's about He's a great it. guy. He's, he's amazing. And, yeah. you know, and he he was in, I believe, Three Dog Night. And, you know, I mean, he's like, he, you know, he's a, like, classic yeah. rock dude. Little little hint here. He had his own band called Maxis. It's Maxis, on, that's right. It's Maxis. on iTunes. Too. Wow. Yes. And what was the, the was what was the big hit um, that he had? He, With one we, of the Jacksons, could, didn't he? We Could Be Both Friends and Lovers. Uh, was that his? Or, I think so. Uh, wow. It was a couple of those. Yeah. And so we had these big, so so first of all, we were geeking about out about that stuff. Mm -hmm. And then the other little trivia that people, I'm sure at this point by now have known, but, but uh, so Jay married John Williams' daughter, daughter, like the John Williams. Williams. Yeah. Um, so his kids, yeah. they're since divorced, but his kids who are, Ridiculous, ridiculous like insane and yeah. dancer his one dancer in oh, really? in in london right now i believe like the royal ballet company wow like the, all of his kids and the other two were in bell brigade, bell brigade and, yeah. like like sickeningly talented yeah, yeah. more talented than i or jay yeah. probably i'm sure we'd both say that um but so we ended up talking and i was like a huge john williams fan and so so uh, you know within four or five hours we're like well not only are we fine with this this actually sounds like a great idea because I was doing at the at the time I was doing a bunch of video games and I had I had some features and then Jay was also scoring Charmed at the same time, so we had multiple things. So we we basically made this handshake agreement said, all right, we're gonna flip flop episodes, but if one of us gets busy and needs to to hand off a couple and then we'll make it up in the back end. So there'd be a couple episodes where Jay would say, hey, I'm going to New York to do this recording. Can you take three in a row? And I'd take three, and then he would do three after that. That's convenient. It's amazing. As far as the sound, I did the pilot, and then we all met, and I remember Kripke and Bob, and we all sort of sat down. We were like, well, here, we really like this. We really like that. Here are some other things that are coming up in the next episode. So we sort of created this sound, especially for Dad and the Boys mm. theme, and, and I had written the... The, the theme when they're on the bridge in the pilot, which sort of became the brothers theme. Oh, cool. So a couple of the themes from the show are mine, a couple of the themes are Jay's, mm -hmm. and we would pass them, and he'd be like, oh, when this happens, use this, and I'd just use his. And is the credit 
together? Or is it like Lennon McCartney or some not usually. Usually it's separate. Uh-huh. Although although, you know, we'll we'll get percentage credit if I use a theme of Jay's or he uses a theme of mine, we would do that. Um, but we did have a couple of shows that we ended up luckily doing together. The Scooby-Doo episode, oh, Time After Time, uh, maybe one or two more. And and that was a blast. The music, the music, the musical. Yeah, the, and the musical, of course, which was amazing. That, that, that is one of my personal favorite episodes yeah. of the whole show. That. But I have a question for you about so kind of dovetailing on what Rob asked about the sharing of, you know, if you've created this theme and Jay uses it, yep. how does that parse itself out? Mike, since you scored the pilot and, you know, for David Nutter, David Nutter gets, a, he's credited with sort of creating the look of the show because he yep. directed the pilot. If you create this, the sound template, does that belong to you? Meaning as, as the, as the man who scored the pilot, does yep. that carry forward as, Nope, that belongs to Warner Brothers. Super Warner, exactly. It belongs to Warner Brothers. It belongs to uh, Warner Brothers. No matter who, whether it's Jay or I who writes it, it all belongs to Warner well, Brothers. Well, I mean, but it belongs to them. But like, do you get credit for like and the score and the and the template, the sound template was created by? I don't think Chris. so, because uh, because Jay Jay did a lot of stuff in in you know. I would say by the time we got, maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Phil, but I would say by the time we got less than halfway through season one. We had the show. We we had the sound. Oh, for sure. Right. For and sure. I would say that sound was very much a combination of Jay and I. Okay. Yeah, um, but it, there was yeah. it was interesting because I was in on all the mixes, and um, you could tell there were little voices that you could tell if it was Jay or Chris for the most part. And then there was a group of music in the mix in there that you couldn't tell, which was wonderful because you could tell they were really mixing. But there's times when Jay tends to like uh, maybe a piano and Chris would use a guitar instead. But that was the only thing. And it was fun because it still made it all, you know, each episode there was uh, in the first year was like a monster of the week. So it was, they were all very isolated, episodic things. They didn't, the arcing story was about where's dad and the finding of dad. So each episode got its own little soundtrack. So they didn't, you know, go into the next one as much, which was great because then each guy could do his own thing. I, I have a I have a question for you now. I'm kind of taking us back to 105 specifically. I know you didn't direct this one, Phil, but you oversaw the the post of it all. And there's a boatload of mirror, mirrors in this thing. Like three hundred episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, whatever. You got your mind's a steel trap. Um, right. The whole thing is that you see her rusty. in the yes. mirror. So yeah. they do a lot with visual effects, which is actually very cool. It's very cool. And so I, mean, I imagine most of that. I would imagine a lot of that's practical, just like setting up the shots so the camera reflects mm-hmm. and you're seeing them. So when say, when but when Jared is arguing with Jared, did they feel like did they do the split screen and have Jared stand behind a frame and argue with himself? You know what I'm talking way, about? Yeah, the way we've done it in the past, uh, the way I've done it, and I wasn't there when we shot it. Uh, you have a body double. What you do is you you set up the shot so you can have the mirror, and then you can have Jared here, and then you do a take where he's talking, and then you put an earwig in his ear, and he can listen to himself right. so he can time it properly. Uh, you know, back then it was probably more of a lockoff for visual effects. Well, that's what now, I think. Now, was- nowadays, it'd be all sorts of you know, motion mm-hmm. control cam going mm-hmm. around and, and crossing the line. That's and- what I think, because I, I, I have, I've done that very briefly with Jensen in one episode in the later years. But this one really looked like, and it, look, it plays great. It totally works. 
but you see a little bit of the of the puppetry. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like it's a split screen. Oh, I yeah. feel like he's crumpled up in the foreground, yeah, like just yeah. slightly off. Yeah. And I feel like Jared is standing <laughs> in the in like a picture frame. Yes. Yelling at the floor. <laughs> yeah. You know, th like, it, it, but but it works. Yeah. But like that's how that got done back. Yeah. Then. And I would say, but I think the other thing, and it, and it applies to to everything from sound and music to to effects. I think there there was. There was something awesome about the seeing a little bit of the puppetry or at least feeling totally it. Totally agree. Totally because agree. other stuff was trying to like jump ahead and get into the digital effects and and get into and it's, you know it's it's like it's like I will I will take the you know model Millennium Falcon over the prequels crap totally. any day of the week yep. because it's dirty and mm -hmm. it's not perfect and I think I remember early on you know Kripke would say to us you know when you know I want to hear every door squeak. Don't no no don't yeah. don't fix that leave that in yeah. mm. leave right. oh when the when the violin squeaks a little bit leave that in because it makes it scarier yes. and I think that's something that became you know much like the classic rock it gave it a reality and a warmth right. that yeah. that list that you know I was gonna say listeners listen to me I'm the music guy but um that 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 audience viewers, yeah yeah the viewers are you know they're like. This feels like it could happen in my hometown. Yes, yeah. And and if it was too shiny and perfect, it wouldn't be that. I agree, and I think that's that's the why the mirror bit worked. Not just the Jared thing. I mean, the whole episode, which is all mirrors, all reflections. Mm -hmm. Why it works? Because I obviously wasn't there either. But it feels like it's all practical. It feels like they were lining up shots well, so they could open a door, yep. see somebody, and then move on. Yep. You know, as cool. Well, we didn't have a budget for tons of visual effects either it was it was like let's figure this out simply and make it as scary as you can and simply as you can because we didn't have a giant visual effects budget so you know there was a lot of times when we tried stuff in camera sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't and then there was sometimes like when there's weird makeup on people you know, Kripke was the first one, and and uh, he's like, "We're not airing that thing because you know we'll figure out a different way and get around it." You know, because we didn't want to make it like a goof. You mm -hmm, know, we right. wanted to make it genuinely scary mm -hmm. uh, when we could, and if it wasn't working, his uh, mantra was, "We we don't air bad film." <laughs> and at that point, we were on actually film. shooting a film. Ahoy, Rich Spade here. Hope you're enjoying the episode. But we got to pull over for a second for some messages. Thanks for listening. Now, back to the episode. So this this episode uh, is about a dark family secret. That's the whole thing that she operates on. She kills people who have a secret. So was Dead in the Water, and so was Constance's story in the pilot. Uh, we've also got uh, a demon hunting people in the last episode, uh, that we've talked about, Phantom Traveler. So there's a lot of signposts of a dark family secret somewhere. It's pretty demonic. How much, at this point, did anyone know about the big picture story? Did Krippy ever let you know, okay, this is where we're all leading. All these things are leading towards something with our own family. I mean, all I knew was, because, I, you know, you never know also whether you're going to get a second year. Right. You just kind of right. never know. Right. I mean, I knew from reading, I knew that there was this, con dad was still out there. Mm -hmm. And I knew that obviously they were, you know, searching for the yellow-eyed demon. And there was going to be this, some kind of a come to Jesus moment at, uh, where where right. where they're going to either find dad. But, I, but we really didn't know whether that would ever happen. Right. Because if the show gets canceled, right. it, doesn't matter. it's we gone. May never see um, so it was sort of right. like this, it's like, well, this is what we, we think it's going to be that. But the, the one thing that I think we knew because the pilot 
set up the family aspect of it right. so so well. And I knew that because the other thing that happens in Bloody Mary, right, is is Sam has the uh, the, 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 bad the, the bad dreams yeah. with Jessica, right? And right. So I knew that there was a connection between his guilt and him not being able to stop her death and obviously mom's death and all. So all this was sort of related. And I knew from Kripke's original pitch about the show to me and probably anyone who he was pitching that first year was like, it's a family story and everything sort of like everything sort of is parallel as they're trying to find dad. And and we're slowly learning more and more about Sam and his relationships and the fact that he was, he didn't remember, you know, he was just a baby at that point. So it had to do with him sort of like getting through those experiences and like, you know, Dean was older. So, I mean, I think it was, I think there was more, you know, there was more knowledge at that point, but, but Sam was kind of learning through what happened to Jessica, what happened to mom. Right. And there was that whole thing. And so I think, I think we all knew that if we don't get canceled, he wanted right. he wanted to get there, right? And he, right. and that was going to be a big finale right. when he gets there. And right. and then if we keep going on from that, we had no idea, right. obviously, what was going to go. You know, yeah. It, you it know, blew a, up. a lot at the beginning of these of any show is that you're starting out with this kernel of an idea, you know. And Dean sets the ball rolling by telling Sam that Dad's on a hunting trip and he hasn't been heard from in three days, or you know, um, that sets the ball rolling, mm-hmm. but. We don't know what the show is yet, and we have to make it scary first so people go, oh, it's a scary show about brothers who travel around in this cool 67 Impala. And they, you know, it's it's motel rooms every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like this journey that they're on in the car. So the bigger picture of the family doesn't really start in there. It doesn't need to right. because you just got to show the audience – it's about two guys, they're brothers, they're on a trek, they're on this thing, and, you know, they're trying to find their dad. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, but things happen in the, in the middle of the season. And a lot of season one was, you know, monster of the week type mm-hmm. stuff right. with this arch of the where's dad story. Yeah, it's very procedural yeah, at this point. Yeah, and it kind of has to be to start that way and you don't get to do a musical or a black right. and white one right. or a Western right. or any yeah. of this stuff until mm-hmm. you're further down and the audience understands. Mm-hmm. You don't get to have a guy who's a schlummy writer who ends up being God on the show. <laughs> right. yeah. You don't God get that. Forbid. You don't get that right you away. Forbid. No, I have a question for you because you're talking about the overreaching themes that, that were sort of, the seeds were planted early on, but they weren't focused on. It was Monster of the Week. But nonetheless, the pilot does do a really good job of sort of giving you the core elements, right? The core nuggets. Brothers, brothers that haven't been hanging out for a while, separate paths, drawn together for this common cause. First for dad, then Jessica's death. And there's a moment in 105 where the whole theme of Bloody Mary, she can only get you if you've got a secret. If you haven't told somebody something and they make a big deal about like Sam's like, hey, I got a secret and I'm going to use it to draw her out. And, you know, Dean's like, don't do it, Sammy. But <laughs> it happens and we don't know what that is. Jared kind of, or Sam kind of keeps that in his back pocket. So he uses that. Where The audience knows that that's going to be the gimmick that he uses. And suddenly when Dean runs in to help Sam, his eyes start bleeding. So he's got something he ha- that he hasn't 
told. Now, I, I, as the legend goes from the from the viewership, like whatever that was was never necessarily addressed in the show. But you're you're an insider. Oh no! Did you ever oh, know what that was supposed to be, Phil? No. Now's your moment to tell us. Come on, Phil. tell us, Phil. Show, show's over. Mm. <laughs> I'll be Schultz. I know nothing. I see nothing. <laughs> Another reference for the kids. Thank you. <laughs> Hogan's Heroes. Uh... I just turned 65, so shut up. <laughs> so, but seriously. So there was nothing there? What was Dean's remember? secret? I want to know Dean's secret. I'm trying to think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a good secret keeper because you forget them. He actually he wa- hates pie. He actually wanted he actually a, hates pie. <laughs> no, he actually wanted a Pinto, not the Impala. Oh, that's what it was. No, I, I, um, no, I don't. Uh, I, I feel would like ha- I, I would to- have I would have to really like research and go back in time. I feel like I need to make up something awesome, and it's and I know, I'm, right? And I'll, I'll, and all mm. I'm I'm not getting much. Mm-hmm. It's the thing is that Chris, if you make it up, no one can prove you wrong. I mean, you know, yeah. he hated classic rock. He's really into the Spice Girls. <laughs> I don't know. Got me. Well, you know what, Phil? We have we have 323 more uh, podcast episodes. <laughs> you can come back when you figure this out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I noticed in this episode is it was very dark. There's a lot of scenes that are not not metaphysically dark, but like to see. It was actually shot very dark. I think, yeah. Is is I think that was the look of season one. That though. was just, is that the season one was very very because we were still shooting on film. We didn't shift till season four. Kim Manners was our producing director up there uh, for the first four seasons and he passed away uh, which was Brilliant a big big, big loss for us yeah. he uh, he was such a cool guy but you know part of it was um, you know everybody has an opinion about how the show looks and how it works so there's always that kind of mushing around in color timing uh, at the other end after we're done shooting and again we're on film so once you're sh- exposed the film a certain way you've got limitations to a point you do have limitations uh, on digital too but you the first year was supposed to be dark because it was a scary show and then i think in year two we changed a little bit year three we changed a little bit maybe we went back on season four or five or six once we went into digital then it was a whole different thing to re realign what the look was and Serge, our DP, was who's an Iron Man. I mean, he did all the episodes, I think, except three. Yeah, usually four. that's a job. The director of photography, usually that's a job. They alternate episode to episode on, on other shows. Nowadays, as, although as well nowadays, first I think I think back when we started, it was that more, was normal. It was normal. We were doing twenty episodes, then we started doing twenty-two. But he did everyone <laughs> from from episode two on, right? Twenty-two episodes. Um. And then, and how much? So at this point, it, you were CW. You were on the, the WB. WB. You're on the, the WB. WB. Yeah. Yep. For the first, just the first season, right? Season one. Yeah. Did it change? Is that noticeably different from when it was the CW? Or is pretty much the same thing? I don't think it did. I mean, you know, because basically it just took. They just took over anyway. And right. It was all Warner Brothers. Yeah. You, I mean, Chris, it was this. Your your job was the same. The, our yeah. job was the same. Although I will say, like. You know, the difference from any, and this is every show, this is, this is everything. This is the boys, this is revolution. This is, you know, every other show I've done, the difference between season one and season two in terms of network and studio is great because when you get to, if you get a season two, it's because you did okay. Right. And everyone just 
sort of leans back right. a little bit and, ah. and they start trusting, you know, Eric and, and Bob and Phil and everyone just start, you know, so I would say definitely, you know, season one, you're, we're all trying to figure it out. You know, we're trying to figure out what's it supposed to look like? What's it supposed to sound like? You know, how scary is scary enough? How scary is too scary, especially being on, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, WB or CW, you know, at the time there was Buffy before that, but for the most part, it Smallville. Was, was that before though? Yeah, Smallville was, was 2001. Yeah, yeah. Was... But, but but for the most part, it was sort of a younger, it was a younger network. Right. Oh, for so sure. So there was a lot of like, there I knew, there was a lot of comments of like, well, hey, how dark do you want it to be? We right. don't, you know, we got to keep, we got to remember who's watching. Right. Well, I think if, if somebody's, anybody listening to this younger probably wouldn't remember. No, <laughs> or at all. But back then, you had to think of the time slot. Oh, right? Yeah. Are you an eight o'clock show right. or a nine o'clock show? Or, and so it would, it, you would affect, show. would affect what you could pull off or allow right. to pull Absolutely. off. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they care that much anymore because people are going to watch it on their own schedule. But back then it mattered a tremendous amount. Did you guys ever battle that? Did you go from like, oh, we were later, now we're earlier, we have to soften it up? or I don't even remember. What were we a nine? Yeah, we, we were, were nine. nine right? We were nine most of the time. Yeah, we were nine at the beginning. And then we were after Dick Van Dyke or something. Oh, no, no, <laughs> family we're on network. network. We're, we're, we're on after Family show. Ties. Sorry. It was Gilligan's Island. Yes. <laughs> so, 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 on a, on so, a very special episode of So, Phil, you, as, as an executive producer on the show, you mentioned Kim Manners. Kim Manners had been a producing director on the show, executive producer and sort of producing director on the show. Yep. And then he passes away. Tremendous loss. I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it always felt like to me, especially especially being somebody who was uh, mentored by you for years, that you sort of became the de facto producing director on that show. Uh, me and Bob. Bob, you know, I think uh, we did four each a year. But you so. never had the title. Nobody had the title. No, we didn't. We decided. We talked about it, you know, and it was like, well, I'm up there four episodes. Bob's up there four episodes out of 22. So it's almost half you know, or a third of it, you know, right. of the time. And by the, you know, we were in season four when Kim passed. So we we kind of had our legs a bit. We knew how yeah. to do the show. We knew what the show was. Um, well, I guess I mean less about the fact that you guys, because when you look at the tally, Bob directed the most and you directed like one less of him. Like, so you guys both directed 50 episodes, almost 50 episodes of a guy. I think it's more like 120, but that's uh, each? Okay. No. No, come <laughs> on. But it seemed to me that no. I, when I say producing director, I kind of yeah. mean the, like shepherding the new directors. Like, when a director came in, be him, be he or she was, experienced um, or not, your job was to be sure they maintain the tone of the show, protect the show. Sort of. I mean, I was not in Vancouver when I wasn't directing. So I wasn't hanging around up there. I was in post. Right. So the so, things people might not understand, so, the, the production was set up in Vancouver. That's where they're shooting yeah, the show. And, but the writers and the post-production is all still here in LA. Yeah. So my job was to keep kind of things going in post. I would do a cut and then show it to Bob and Eric, and then they would give their notes. That sort of thing was going on. If I needed to be up there, I could go up there, or Bob went up there. Right. I mean, part of it was, too, is that we had a little cadre of directors that we liked, and once somebody did one and Eric liked it, uh, Bob liked it, the network liked it, the studio liked it, like that person's work, then we kind of hired you know, a, a smaller group than right. than maybe normal. And again, this was back in 2005. So 
Um, once you got that group, it was kind of like easier that way. I didn't need to be up there. Um, and for the most part, you know, it, it worked pretty well. You hire people that come in that you think are going to work great, and they do, and then some maybe not. Um, but, you know, we didn't feel the need to have somebody there 24-7 right. uh, after Kim passed away. So in front of the camera, you have, you've got some great guest stars in the first season, and this one— A guy named Benedict was around well, Not there. yet. Oh, not I yet. Was, I was not even a glimmer in my mother's eye at this point. Uh, Mar Marnette Patterson is plays Charlie in this one. Genevieve Bookner plays Lily. Uh, we've got Giovanna Burke, which we're about to interview. Um, but I, before we do, I want to ask a quick question. Uh, Giovanna Burke, who was uh, Bloody Mary. Um, before I do, Rich might know the answer to this too, but do they say when the cast list comes out, all right, um, you want to hire these ones from L.A.? Because every episode you fly one or two actors uh, cast from LA. Casting's... Uh magical part of the process to me. Um, sometimes you th you wonder, because as a director, you say, these I like this person, this person, this person, and then Eric will chime in and Bob will chime in, and then there might be a network thing going on that's behind the scenes where they want to get this person on shows, right? So it might be some overall deal that I have nothing to do about and don't know anything about. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I think there's – I think there's – if the show is hot or if it shows that it's going to be hot, then you get a different kind of casting attention. When you say hot, you mean – Like ratings if the show is gotcha. – you know, if the ratings are good and it's a, it's a well-liked show, then you there are certain actors that you all of a sudden say, yeah, let's do that. Um I mean, we had a lot of people on. I mean, whoo. Yeah. I got so many. <laughs> I mean, a lot know, of people. Oh, yeah. and, what is it? 326 episodes worth of guest stars. Well, we're about to uh, bring on Giovanna Burke, uh, who played Bloody Mary. And this is interesting because, Phil, you had a chance to direct her when she came back from the dead in, was that season 15? 14. I was, yeah, I was. Was uh, that because of me? Did I do something that caused that to happen? I think I did. Yeah, it was the ending. It was the finale. You personally or your God, character? God Mike, was, me personally, both. God, God was never on your side. <laughs> yeah, it turns out God wasn't on your side. I, I, I opened up something and they all, all the bad people came back. Guys, I hate to interrupt, but we have Giovanna Burke calling in right now. We're going to have a conversation with her about life on the show when it started and when it wrapped up. So let's turn our attention to Giovanna Burke, everybody. Giovanna Burke, there she is with there us. She is. <laughs> Thanks Thank for, for having here. me, you guys. Absolutely, it's a pleasure. You are Bloody Mary. You played Bloody Mary. Yes. Um, that's twice. One more time, and someone's dying. In your deep trouble. Uh oh, don't say it. <laughs> and uh, so, and then you also came back and revised the Surprisingly, role. Surprisingly, yes, yes. yes that was I want to. I want to leap in and say, having watched. So, Rob and I, admittedly, are are new to season one, even though we worked on the show ourselves. Amazing. You're freaking scary in that episode. I mean, like, and we awesome. spent a lot of this podcast episode talking about how well it's shot in terms of you being in the reflections and how, yeah. so how, from, from an actress standpoint, how complicated yeah. were those segments? Because it looked like, you know, now you could yeah. do things digitally, but then it would be a practical. Everything was practical back then. Everything. Yeah. So how complex so, was that? Because it had to be you in a position where the camera, you know, a lot of working parts there. 
Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely, we had really long days on that actually that week that I was on set. Oh really? Um, because of the practical stuff and also because of the prosthetics on my eyes. Right. Um, yeah. Even that's practical. Was, yeah. Everything was practical. There's no VFX. So when I came back and did the show 15 years later, everything was VFX. <laughs> right. You don't have to worry right. about it. <laughs> so there's, they added yeah. the blood and you're coming down your face later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. Now I'm just going to, I'm going to do the production nerdy thing and just explain to people who don't know what practical means. It's sure. like, they're doing the effect on your, like, so yeah, they're so putting can, the, can, the, the, the prosthetic on your face right. to create the look. So yes. what, what was that prosthetic on your face? That what was, was that a crazy like? day. So, um, I remember that was the longest, actually the longest set day I've ever had in my life. Um, it was a 23 hour day. What? Insane. Yeah. Because Ew. my call time that day was, I wasn't there. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't me. there. Wasn't, it was, uh, was my there. call time was like three in the morning to get this prosthetics put on. Cause they brought in a team from Montreal to do these, these, um, kind of these like under eye veins that they put in and then they'd like hide the vein into the back of my hair and then pump the blood in. But what happened was, is we got to set and they practiced, they hadn't practiced yet. And so when we got in, we did a test shot and the blood just came pouring right through the whole oh thing. God. And then we had to reapply, reapply Everything. the prosthetic. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was just a very, very long day because of the prosthetic. <laughs> well, um, Phil, I mean, that's, that's gotta be an obvious advantage of technology. <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, I'm a big proponent of in-camera practical stuff when it, you've got to test everything. It's one thing we learn as we go is that right. you're, all the ideas are great, but unless they, uh, you know, the shooting portion should be almost the most boring part because you're so well tuned into what needs to get done. Um, yeah. The planning is exciting, I think. I mean, the shooting's exciting, but it, it shouldn't be a big surprise like having your face, you know, explode. Now you got to start over. Now... What yeah. do we shoot? You know, you've got to turn around and figure out what your day is. So the more well-planned you are, but trying to do these things in camera is so much more exciting to me because it's like physics and geometry and trying to figure out how can you make this scare really scary without relying on visual effects, which doesn't rely on gravity, which doesn't right. rely, you know. The stuff that we can do now makes everything safer, makes everything more, you know, it still works. And more efficient. More efficient. Um, but there are certain things that I still kind of like like to do in camera. Well, like you and, the you and Chris were talking about earlier that the Kripke's vision of was keep it raw, keep it real. And that's because that's what's scary. That was scary about horror movies in the 70s because it was yeah. so low budget. So, jo Joanna, I have a, yeah. I have a yeah. question for you. This is dust off the memory because yes. I'm going okay. back to the audition <laughs> For this On way back, yes. audition for the role, because okay, the role yeah. is—it's not like it's monologue after monologue. I mean, you have that no. one moment where you confront the boys, but a oh, lot good. of your role, the impact of the role is that the the body position, the creepy use of the hands crawling out, like all these elements totally. that are body work and attitude and all that stuff. But it's not dialogue heavy. What was your yeah. audition like for the role? It was super fun, actually. I remember I had to create, like, I created her walk and, like, her crazy, creepy, like, movements. I, I came from a professional dance background. So this was, like, one of my, this is my very first television role that I booked. So, oh, wow. um, yeah. So, um, so I was very, very physical, obviously, at the time and very ready to just, like, jump into this, into this role. So, yeah, I created the fun. We, I had to do all the creepy crawling and stuff in the room. And that was really fun. Did they ever, did they say anything? Because it's very much like The Ring. Right. Yeah. Did yeah. they say anything about that? That that's what they wanted no. the reference to be. No. When did the ring come out? 
Good question. Well, uh, just before that, I think, yeah, like yeah. maybe two thousand three, two thousand four, something like that. The original was Japanese. Yeah. Yep. And then they remade it. Anyway, yeah, it's very much like that, right? With the hair and yeah. your face. And was your hair that color? Or did you? No, they dyed it dark and put extensions in it. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow. Yeah, it was like a whole like it was a whole thing they put on. It was awesome. Such wow. a good team. But yeah, no, it was mostly because she didn't have much dialogue at all. So it was all physical. Yeah, I wondered, because that's what I wondered, if they would have you do those moves. You would, you would have to, if you want to know if the actress can do it, right? And so you kind of totally. created that on the, not on the spot, but in advance of the of the reading and came in and, and crawled around on the floor and voila. Yeah, 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 it, it was fun. It was creepy, <laughs> it was creepy. Um, it so was. Then, then you come back at the end of season 14. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, it was, it, we had a list of like who'd been on and who had been in those scary positions, you know, and luckily we got you and we, we got a new person to play the lady in white, but all those little vignettes at the end of that episode were super fun. We had a whole bunch more, but we were running out of money and time and schedule, <laughs> I'm sure. So, but yeah. it was, it was super fun to just play some of these beats at the end and let the audience enjoy like oh that's her that's really her you know yeah. so that was pretty fun I, I, that's so cool well was how it? was that phone yeah, call yeah, I mean, was it like getting that, that was crazy that was crazy because i actually after doing the show in season one i never even auditioned for another character after that in all 15 seasons so getting that call i was like oh my god really <laughs> like buddy mary's back that's yeah. amazing yeah it was super fun i think for people who don't know that's kind of surprising because of the Vancouver acting community, a lot of talent, but also not necessarily massive numbers. So a lot of times we would have somebody who was appearing in season two. They'd come back in season 12 playing the sheriff right. or whatever. Right. Well, also, there was a, you know, a time thing. Of if you hired somebody when they were a teenager uh, in 2005 and now they're in their mid-20s, it's a there's a whole different person there. Yeah, right and now. let's be honest, Giovanna uh, totally. could have come back the next week as the you know, oh sure, waitress, and For you wouldn't sure. have known because the makeup was right. so intense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, it was super fun to come back, and and it, they even had like the original. They were like trying to recreate the original dress and stuff. I don't know if they brought back the original dress or if probably it was a we had it. I'm sure, but I'm sure. I think it was. I think they brought it back, so yeah. it was pretty cool. Like, even the costume fitting. Wow. Just getting back into her body again, you know, yeah. and like remembering how I moved 15 years later. It's just such a cool experience. Were you surprised how many uh, similar faces yeah. were there? I mean, that you had the <laughs> yes, same. the whole crew almost. It was it was so nice. Like, what a family. Yeah, Tru yeah. truly, truly. It was a beautiful thing. Well, you're part of that family. Yeah. Uh, you know, the whole yeah. believe it. You know, I think the whole the, what makes Supernatural so special is that the the relationship between the fans and the performers and the creators, it's all kind of swirled together, started yeah. episode, you know, pilot, which is not even considered episode one and existed through the run of the show. So I think it's yeah. very fitting that you were able to be there for the beginning and the end because it yeah. represents kind of what the show is all about. Totally. It was very, I feel very, very fortunate and lucky to be there. Awesome. Be a part of it. Yeah. Awesome. And thank you for being a part of this. Thank yeah, you so much. for being a part of this. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. It's so fun to connect with you guys and yeah. uh, <laughs> talk right. about Supernatural again. Yeah. Just keep it going. Keep it alive. Just, yeah. Just off the memory bank. Giovanna Burke. Totally. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Gentlemen. Yes, sir. This has been fantastic. 
Thank you so much. You're both very busy men. Thank you for taking time out on this evening to talk to us. When are we going to talk about the boys? Well, that's going to say we well, should let yeah, people know us, that the boys what, is tell us, a tell us what you're working. <laughs> tell us what you're working on now. Uh, we're just in the toward the end of the process, post process for the boys season three. You're the in. Emmy nominated boys. That's yeah. right. This, high, Chris, high this is kind of where you clock in, right? Well, I, this is where I, well, yeah. the fun, I got to say. I'm not going to say, you know, you guys can you guys can make the connection if you want, but I've gotten two Emmy nominations. They both happen to be on Eric Kripke shows. Right. I'm not, you know, right. I'm not going to say anything. Right. Maybe that's not the, the but you know, that something in that. There's something, something about there. that. Absolutely. Um, which was awesome because I got a nomination for the pilot. Uh, of great. Supernatural, and then uh, oh, and then wow. and then now got a nomination for for the boys last year, which oh, was great. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're you're uh, you just finished editing season three. Is that what you're saying, Phil? We're yeah, we're still doing visual effects. And Chris, is the music done? Or are you? This is when you're doing the hard work. We're, I'm doing the hard work. You're right, in it. Yeah. right, yeah. It's his, right it's, now. He's up to but he's up fun. to the plate now. Well, well, I'm such a huge fan of that show. I can't wait. Season three coming up on Amazon early next year. Everybody watch it. And uh, season three featuring uh, a young fella who uh, appeared in Supernatural a couple of times. Yeah. Jensen Ackles. That's Jensen correct. Ackles that is doing correct. the soldier boy thing. Yeah. Uh, um, and I got I can only say this about season three. People are gonna say, What whale? Ooh. Wow. Ooh. wow. Well, okay. Okay. Well leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Hey, that's all I'm saying. Okay. Right. Well listen, it's a long, long series, so we're definitely gonna have you guys back. Yeah, like it or not. Right. Yeah. You're coming back. We might even need to do a little like live musical or something. Oh, like wow. that. I love it. Okay. Maybe bring back one. Big bring back one of the songs, and we got a recording studio here. We can just uh, we can maybe do a, a special uh, right? a that special was, new edition. That was season ten. Yep. So we'll sure. uh, we'll yeah, see you in about ten years, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> was that the two hundred? I think it was the two hundred. It was the two hundredth episode. I was. Or is it the one hundred? Two hundred. Two hundred. Well, I'm not going to spoil alert it for people who haven't uh, watched the series yet. I did the 100 yet, and the 200, so I should yep. know which ones they are. But yeah, you should. I, I you have think. to think about it. When you have this I many have to episodes. think about it. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Phil, right. Chris, thank you so much for being Thanks, here. Thanks, guys, thank for you. having And us. we will do this again. You've already laid it out there. They will, be, they will be back in the future, and we look forward to it. Awesome. I hope you're enjoying the episode, but we need to pull over a second for some messages. Thanks for supporting Supernatural then and now. And now, back to the show. Um, well, that was fun. Rich. Oh, man. So fun. Just love that Phil Secretia. Love Phil. Love their... Actually, I was surprised and... I mean, pleasantly surprised, I should say, by their relationship. Those two are super tight. Yeah. I guess because Phil was so involved in Post yeah. that he and Chris worked side by side so many times. Yeah. And they have a great uh, and hilarious rapport. Yeah. And that uh, Chris uh, Leonard's went to school with uh, with Eric, Eric Kripke. Kripke. And that they the young man's name, Gary... Gary Bryman. Gary Bryman is a reference to an uh, old college buddy. Right. And so is the other one, Benji Schwartz. Benji Schwartz, who's referenced in the first scene. Yeah, the little girl saying, you want to kiss Benji Schwartz? Right. Schwartz. Benji Schwartz was a kid that uh, Eric Kripke grew up with. Right, exactly. Now, in this episode also, um, the bitch count um, uh, for people keeping score. If you're making a drinking game out of the bitch count. But astonishingly, for an episode where Dean nearly gets killed by a female ghost, uh, there's nary a bitch in, in sight, uh, which is great job, guys. Really good job. Um, well, why, is it, wanna, why is that a good job? I feel like they, they should have, uh, you know, dropped the B word a couple of times. No, no, well, I mean, I'm, I'm on the fence if that's a good or a bad thing, right? Okay. It's nice, potty mouth, you know, we don't want to... No. Tomato to bitch auto. I mean, do we have to bleep that out? Nah. 
Um, but we should mention that this episode does have uh, an important word in the Dean Winchester vocab. It's the return of Sammy. Sammy! <laughs> yes, indeed. Dean has not called his little bro Sammy since Sammy. the pilot. <laughs> Sammy! Uh, but we're back now and everything is as it should be. Yep. Antiques road trip. Do you remember landlines? <laughs> I still have one in my home. Uh, <laughs> for, the, for the kids at home, a landline is a phone that you can't shove in your pocket and swipe photos on. Right. There's also a reference to Paris Hilton, which is a bit of an antique reference. Uh, yeah, I noticed that. I'm like, that one. It's also foreshadowing because Paris is going <laughs> to eventually become a guest star in the show. Yeah, you're not wrong. Some trivia from the show. Toledo, Ohio is Eric Kripke's hometown. It is. Despite Dean's comment that they'll have 600 years of bad luck for breaking on those mirrors, they actually only smashed four. So it's actually a total of 28 years of bad luck. I think he was, uh, he was counting all the uh, screwed up takes. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. Um, the movie Urban Legends Bloody Mary was released in July of 2005, directed video. Yeah. So, and, and another interesting bit of trivia, mm -hmm. Rob and I, right after this podcast, are going to have some Bloody Marys. That's true. <laughs> Take the edge off of last night's uh, revelry. Uh -huh. As the sun comes up. <laughs> exactly. Um, this is a really interesting episode in terms of lore, um, from a folklore point of view, because everyone knows the Bloody Mary game. Right. Uh, except that I didn't. We didn't really play that. We played Truth or, Truth or Dare, but not Bloody Mary. Oh, wow. But uh, like so much old folklore, we have no idea where it really started. The use of mirrors for divination, seeing the future, seeing into other planes of reality is very old, and there are lots of traditions and practices around that. Um, in the Wikipedia entry for Bloody Mary, Rich, right. it claims the game is related to old divination traditions where a woman would walk up a stairway backwards holding a mirror and a candle so they could see the face of their future husband. Why the hell is he back there? I don't know. You tell me. Is that what uh, your wife, JC, did? Uh, no, she just, uh, she clubbed me over the head, threw me in a burlap sack. I woke up married. Well, yeah. uh, there is a story there's, I've heard, maybe this, I've heard that maybe she broke a mirror over your head. <laughs> no, that, that was this morning. Okay. Uh, but that's not an origin for this game that at once is very specific, but also extremely adaptable to different settings yep. and eras. Sometimes Mary has lost her baby and the person speaking into the mirror taunts her by saying, I killed your baby. Oh my that's gosh. Weird. That's not fun. The game is similar to the Candyman version popularized by those films as well. Love Sammy Davis Jr. Little Sammy Davis. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's that Candyman. Bloody Mary, the name's mo most likely related to Queen Mary. <laughs> there is, however, one Bloody Mary origin story that we do have some definitive information on. The drink, while rumored to have been created in Harry's Bar in Paris, was probably popularized by movie star George Jessel, who started mixing tomato juice and vodka and gave the popular brunch beverage its name. Name your favorite uh, George Jessel movie. <laughs> Three days of the Bluebird, 1954. Um, yeah, and I, many will wonder why, how I don't remember anyone's names, but all that information I just gave you is just, just, just in my noggin. Stunning. Um, episode credits. This episode stars Jared Padalecki as Sam Winchester, Jensen Ackles as Dean Winchester, Adrian Palicki as Jessica Moore. And that would be Marnette Patterson as Charlie, Genevieve Buckner as Lily, Lily Shoemaker, Christy Marsden as Donna Shoemaker, Shalon Simmons as Jill and Giovanna Burke, our guest on this podcast, as Bloody Mary Worthington, with additional appearances by William S. Taylor, Michael Teagan, James Ashcroft, and Duncan Minette. Now, the teleplay for Bloody Mary was written by Ron Milbauer and Terry Hughes Burton, with story by Eric Kripke. 
Directed by Peter Ellis and edited by David Ekstrom. With music by Christopher Lennertz and featured songs by Fall Out Boy, Def Leppard, and The Rolling Stones. None of which you heard if you watched this on Netflix like I did. In which case you heard State of Man, The Peasants, and Fred Herring. It was executive produced by Eric Kripke and Robert Singer. And Bloody Mary first aired on October 11th, 2005. All right. Well, that's uh, episode 105, guys. That was fantastic. I learned a lot. Phil got angry. Yeah. It was another day at another a podcast, day Yeah, um, I managed to not say Bloody Mary three times, so I feel like I can go to sleep tonight and not worry. That was your third time. Shh. You're doomed. And Lord knows I've got secrets. We'll see you at the next one, guys. This episode of Supernatural, then and now, was hosted and executive produced by Richard Spade Jr. and Rob Benedict. Produced by Stephen Hine. Research provided by Jessica Mason. And edited and associate produced by Trey Booty. Music provided by Tim Wynn. The episode was recorded with the help of Sonic Fuel Studios. For the latest news on this and other podcasts, follow Story Mill Media on Instagram or Twitter, or both. Dude, only because we watched it five minutes ago. Uh, right? yeah. I should have. I, but that's kind I of the have. fun that's of it. No, 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 it makes it fun. I, I, I was yeah, but it's supposed to be. The, it's supposed to be like a bada bada boom. But at the at the convention that this guy this woman was like, I love your character. The, my favorite episode is Faith. Faith, I think, which you're not in, but if you were in it, how would you have handled what Castiel Faith, did with that, the That's where we now. used uh Don't Fear the Reaper. Really? Yeah, I remember them by songs. Oh, there you go. Matt was so. on stage. I was like, um, so this one, so I'm gonna take a knee. <laughs> it's um, the tent the tent revival. <laughs> I just talked until talked right. about nothing. That's hilarious. Fifteen years 16. ago. Yeah. 15, yeah. yeah. 2005 or... 2005, yeah. Yeah, crazy. Have you ever done any of the conventions? No, never. Really? Really, yeah. You gotta fix that. Yeah, you gotta get... Uh, these guys are convention uh, savvy. Oh, okay. say, it, say a nice word, Phil. Say a nice word. I was trying to think... <laughs> That was the only one where we actually sang. Oh, ben yeah, and I sang right. yeah, you guys sang. Yeah, oh, Ghost, wow. Ghost Facers. Ghost Facers. That Ben and I wrote it and sang it together. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's so great. It's horrible, but it's good. It's great. It's, it's the, the right kind of horrible. Right kind of horrible. We'll have to. Yeah. You'll have to sing that live. You'll have to sing it live. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Now that'll be our first yeah. live. Yeah. Musical. It'll be, yeah. It was, yes. it was uh, the Ben episodes. I had a chance to do a bunch of them, and, and they were, they took you outside our comfort zone, yep. but figured out a way to come back. Yep. And, um, Absolutely. He drove some people nuts, and I know as a director, it was you knew if you had one of his scripts, it was going to be fun and interesting. Yeah. Nice. Really? Chris is going to say something. I, I was going to just I was going to say there are a few episodes that we have to come back for. Great. Uh, with Phil and I, and we should get Jay and oh, do we'll talk about the uh, time we, after. We time. should do time after time and, and the, the jazz music, thing and the musical. And then obviously uh, we should do the musical episode. And, we uh, and you you know you've got a good podcast uh, episode when wait a minute we're done when yeah, one of the it? gentlemen uh, I who this has was like in a God and Davida <laughs> we were going into the drum we're solo. Storybell Media. 